Everybody, glad to be with you today. Um, and my, my name's Andy Hines. Um, it always has been, so that's one I've used most of my life. I want to talk to you this morning about something that's on our heart and probably something that all of you are concerned about, uh, about the state of the country and so forth. And I want to talk about prayer. So I thought I'd open with prayer. And um, uh, so let's let's open uh, with a quick prayer. Uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Should I die before I awake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Um, then there's another one uh, that we used to use. Good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. Um, and then there's my favorite one. Lord, be with us today. Uh, as we go about through the day. And, you know, I also heard from a farmer that the best prayer that he ever heard was when he was falling upside down in a well. Help! Now, I tell you these, obviously, because these are not the types of prayer we need to be praying for our country today. Yet, a lot of people are praying prayers very similar to these. And I want to talk about Prayer. I'm going to go to several different locations and not specifically talk about prayer, but talk about the structure that comes around prayer. Um, if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, one of the things we'll find out by doing this is that prayers like, Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, are... Prayers for kids, little kids. Uh, you know, your, your, your little girl or your little boy should be praying those or something similar to that when they're young. Um, good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat is prayers that my dad and other people that weren't really cognizant of what God was all about and they were making fun uh, of the whole prayer process. And the Lord be with us today as we go about our day, is a sign of someone that does not know the Word of God, and it should not be prayed. None of those three prayers should be voiced by believers that understand the Word of God. And we're going to look at several different aspects of that right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 say this, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes, in Christ, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. As you can see, and, and we know from the, the Corinthians were a pretty rowdy bunch. Uh, but he's talking to them and telling them that, that uh, he had to give them milk instead of meat. Because they were kids and they were babes in Christ. Let's look at Galatians 4, verses 1 through 3. Now, now I say as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. 
when we were children, we were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. This is kind of the situation when uh, that we find ourselves in our country with such serious things going on. We need serious people of prayer that know how to get a hold of God and, and, uh, and know what they're getting ready to do. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. It says, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of men and by craftiness in deceitful scheming. We need to be on target with our prayers. We need to understand the meat of the gospel, the meat of the New Testament, the meat of the Bible, so that we can pray accurately and be on target with what God wants us to do. Now, I want to read uh, two other scriptures. Hebrews 5.12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. And the, and the, the last scripture I want to talk about is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. Now, wait a minute, make sure. Oh, 1 Peter 2, 2. Not, my glasses kind of gave me a rough way to go there. According to the foreknowledge of God by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood, may grace be yours to the fullest measure. Now, according to the foreknowledge of God by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, the sanctification is the a planned progress of our lives as we work uh, from the time that we're born again. We're fully justified, but we, we work to be sanctified. Now, that's what we're going to talk about. Now, from that scripture, I want us to turn to, to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. Nehemiah, chapter 1. And set the stage here. Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. And. He sends word to his fellow Jews and asks them this question, what's going on in Jerusalem? Okay, See that in chapter 1, verse 2. Now, I want to read that. Hananiah, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews <coughs> who had escaped and survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. So he wants to know what's going on uh, in the home country, so to speak. Verse 3, now listen to this. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Now, when, when, when I read this, I think in terms of Psalm 11.3, it says, When the foundations are destroyed, what are the righteous to do? So Nehemiah recognizes the fact that the foundations, that, that Jerusalem's in a mess. Now look at his response to this. This is, this is an amazing response to this situation. 
and we can think of this in the United States, it's impossible for me in an hour, if I had an hour, to simply sit down and go through everything that was going on in this country and how it violates what God's asked us to do and how things just seem to be sinking, okay? we seems like we're on the Titanic. And sometimes it seems like all we're able to really do is rearrange the deck chairs and, and not really accomplish much. But look what Nehemiah's response to this was. And I want to ask, where do we fit into this? Now, it came about when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So, when we look at the USA today in 2022, is this our response? Do we have this response because of the rampant destruction of everything that's good in this country? They're now calling what's good evil and what's evil good. Uh, so, is this our response? Now, when he goes to pray, listen to his prayer. Listen to how he does his prayer. We'll start in verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5. And I said, I beseech you, O Lord of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel. He says, I am praying this now day and night before you on behalf of the sons of Israel. Are, are we doing this for the United States? Are we doing this when we see uh, the government promoting uh, sexual stuff to kids, kindergartners, and we find out that the school systems nationwide are, are uh, destroying lives of children because of the garbage that they're putting out. Are, are we responding with a day and night prayer mode? Verse 6, or verse 7, I mean, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the ordinances which you commanded. Remember the word which you commanded, Moses, saying, if you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the peoples. But... If you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though these, uh, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote parts of heaven, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I've chosen to cause my name to dwell. And they are servants and they are people whom, thou, whom you did re redeem by your great power and your strong hand. In verse 11, Lord, I beseech you, May your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere in your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. Now that's a pretty thorough prayer that outlines the situation that has led to the disaster that they're in. And he accepts responsibility for it himself, although he probably didn't participate in it. He acknowledges that he's with these people. Now, if we go on from there, in verse 6, he's proposing the 
He thought through the answers that, that he was given. We, we go on and we find out over in chapter 2, verse uh, 4, that the king's asking him, the king's noticed something's wrong. It's several months later. The king notices something's wrong. And so he asked him, what would you request? And so immediately again, he says, I prayed to the God of heaven. He's thought through this, and he prays again, and he's got a plan. He's got a plan that God can give him these different things, and it works out in his behalf. Some, some rather bold prayers right here, asking God to fulfill his needs to help him rebuild the wall. Now, I'd ask, I'd ask anyone listening, and I'd ask um, myself, have we thought through what we need to rebuild the walls that this country has lost? Have we thought through how to respond to just the rampant lawlessness and things that are going on? Do we have that kind of response? Now, um, I want to turn over to Ephesians chapter 3. Let's look over at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 should be after Galatians if I've got it right, and I do. Okay. Verse 14, Paul talks about prayer, and he, he, he brings up some interesting facts, and I want to talk to him about it. Now, remember now, Nehemiah's in the middle of this mess, this governmental mess. Things have gone south for him. And he's in the middle of that, and he's thought through the prayer, and he's got it. He's got a plan about how he's going to approach this problem. And you'll you'll find out very quickly that opposition is bred into the system. Okay, you're not going to go in and tear down the enemy's system and have him just sit back and go, "Well, okay, that's that's a great idea. Let's get rid of all this junk that I've got out there." He's not going to do that. He's going to bring the Sanballat, the Horonites, Tobiah, the Ammonite, and Gashmu, the Arab, uh, to fight you. That's what they do. You could go back and find out some tremendous things about spiritual battle in Nehemiah. But when I go back to Paul, listen to what Paul says in, these, in this set of scriptures right here. And I'm talking about, he's talking to me as a person that's sitting in an environment that, that Nehemiah was talking about, and I've got to find out the plan. So he's talking to him. Now listen to what he says here. Verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name, that he would grant you, now he's talking about me, that he would grant me according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. So one of the things that we need to understand about, about dealing with these things and in prayer is we need to be strengthened with power through the inner man, through your spirit. We need to be God inside conscious, not necessarily thinking. We could think our way through a lot of things and not, not get very far. We could spend, John and I could spend hours thinking and talking about various things like that. And when we get done, if we don't have the Spirit of God in it, we haven't accomplished anything, but spent some hours together and probably had a 
a Coke or a sandwich or something. But that would have been about all we've accomplished if we're trying to do it in our mind. But that's not what he says. He says, through his spirit in the inner man. Now look at verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love. If the approach that we take to help solve these problems is not rooted and grounded in love, we're going to fail. We can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The, the love chapter is sandwiched in between the spiritual gifts factor uh, chapters. 1 uh, Corinthians 12 and 14 are about spiritual gifts, and 1 Corinthians 13 is about walking in the love of God. Now, this is going to put pressure on us. It puts pressure on me to respond to things in a way I'm not used to responding. Um, we had a situation where Rick was teaching uh, one night uh, at uh, a hotel church, and I'm minding my own business, sitting in the back, not thinking specifically about about anything Rick was talking about, the tabernacle and some things, and I'm processing that. And out of nowhere, the Spirit of the Lord quickened to me to find an image on my iPad of a newborn baby. I'm not baby-oriented, so this is not for me. This is from the Lord. So I do that. I, I find, um, you know, a picture of this newborn. He's about an hour. He's right out of the hopper, man. I mean, he's all red. I mean, he's just been born. And then the Lord quickened to me as I was looking at that, that an hour before he would have been born, it would have been okay to take knives and cut him up and kill him because he hadn't been born yet. Then the Lord spoke to me as clear as a bell and said, you need to learn how to love the people that have the knives. Now, within that, I, I hate abortion. But what's ha- what the Lord's telling me is my response is not whole because I want to get the people that are doing all this. I want, I, I want to get them. He loves them. So that response has got to be baked into what I do when I respond to what's going on in the government. I don't like what the government's doing, but God loves the people that are doing it. I need to get on that wavelength. Now, I go down to verse 18, and this kind of puts that in perspective for me. Look at verse 18. May you be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth the breadth, length, height, and depth. He's talking about four dimensions here. If I take a cube uh, or a rectangle, I know how long it is, I know how high it is, and I know how wide it is. I can tell you what the area uh, is within inside that. But he's talking about depth. He's talking about another dimension. And I believe that's. Uh, I, I honestly believe that in order to get where we need to go, specifically when I'm praying, I need to move into a dimension with God that I've not been in before, or very often. Now look at verse 19. And this is a, this is a key verse for me. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. He is telling you that if we get into this dimension rooted and grounded in love, we're going to know the unknowable. Think about that. To know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. He's telling you that by following the Holy Spirit, you can learn and know something that is unknowable. That's pretty spectacular stuff. Now, within that framework, 
being rooted and grounded in love, I will be making prayers for people that God loves based on what the Holy Spirit tells me. We could go to Romans, uh, in fact, um, let's look there real quick. Romans 8.26. And listen to this. And in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. By praying in the Spirit, we can bring God in on the things that we're not good at. Now, this situation, uh, the the situation concerning our, uh, the things that the government's doing wrong. How do I pray about those things? How do I, how do I approach God and say, okay, Lord? This isn't right. What do we do? Well, one of the first things we've got to do is find out what God says about it. We go pray what God tells us to do. We can go to um, Psalm 37. If you just look at Psalm 37 very quickly as a point of reference, I go back to Psalm 37. And when I start looking at that, I can go through the entire psalm and I find 16 things in there that God tells me to do to deal with the uh, insecurities of living in a wicked world. So I find 16 things in there. Now, how am I going to use that in, in knowledge in praying for these people? Here, Well, I go down here. It says, verse number 1, Do not fret because of evildoers and be not envious toward wrongdoers. Well, I do fret. I get upset. I get bent out of shape. He said, don't do that. So I, I, I need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, you said do not fret. I need help not fretting because I fret. And fret means you just sit there and ponder and worry about things. Go down to verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. There is something positive that you can do. Trust in the Lord. He find, find the Scriptures that tell me that he's got the, that he will be able to deal with the things that are that I'm so concerned about he will be able to deal with them verse 5 commit your way to the lord trust also in him and he will do it so i can go through the scriptures and i can come out of psalm 37 i'll take a pad and a paper and come out of psalm 37 and i can write a prayer for things that i that the lord says i need to be doing that i'm not doing lord I ask you to help me do these things. You said in here, cease from anger and forsake wrath. I, I, don't, I don't do that well. So, Lord, I'm asking you right here. You said cease from anger. Help me cease from anger. Help me not get mad at these people. Help me not get bent out of shape. Help me not fly off the handle. Because your word says that the, the wrath of man does not promote the righteousness of God. We can figure that out. Uh, pretty quickly. Um, verse 7 in Psalm 37, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Again, he says, don't fret. Those are things that I need to be doing. And when I see things explode, first thing, quit filling myself with the news. Quit filling myself with the things that, that, that you know, would drive a dead man nuts. They're, they're so goofy. But, Begin to pray and say, Lord, here's what you said to do. 
I need help to do that. So, and then as you go through, if you take this psalm, you could go back to Psalm 10 and do. And if you look real quick at Psalm 10, you can see some similar things. Let me find it here. Pages are stuck together. You can go back to verse Psalm 10 uh, and and read in Psalm 10 how the wicked have are do the things that are going on and how they're doing. It says here, uh, for the wicked boasts of his heart's desire, the wicked in his haughtiness and countiness, his ways prosper all the time. He says, I shall not be moved. His mouth is full of sea. You can go through really the first 11 verses of chapter of uh, Psalm 10 and find out a pretty good description of what's going on in this country. You could do the same thing if you go to Isaiah chapter 59. You can find out that what we're experiencing today is not new, folks. Isaiah, in, in Isaiah 59, outline, and if, and if I wasn't going to go there, but if you quickly look at Isaiah 59, man, this sounds like today. Um no one sues righteously and no one pleads honestly. They, they trust in confusion and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Uh, their works are works of iniquity. The acts of violence are on their hand. Their hands are defiled. I mean, this is what we're experiencing today. And this was written a long, long time ago. Isaiah was experiencing this. So if we look at Genesis chapter 6, we can find out that man's heart, God said, man, it only took five or six chapters in Genesis to figure this out, that man's heart is evil all the time, and it's all he wants to do. And so when we, when we let the evil rule, when we see it ruling, God gives us answers to that, and those are what we need to be praying. Okay? Um, when I go through... Uh, Isaiah 59, I look at verse 21, and as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit which is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor the mouth of your offspring's offspring. Well, basically he's saying keep the Word of God in your mouth. Keep this in your mouth, not what the news says. Okay. Now, I do want to read uh, uh, an excerpt and I appreciate you hanging in there with me. And I hope this is making sense. Um, it's called Making a Difference. Henry Blackaby uh, wrote this. And it says, Would you dare to believe that God who called you to Himself and equipped you with His Spirit could do so mightily through you? We are where we are because that's where God chose for us to be here. We are the right people for the right time. We just don't know it yet. Now, have... Have you made the connection between the time and place in which you live and God's call upon your life? You're where you are because that's where God put you. And He says, you have the skills to do what I've asked you to do. We have the skills. We have the desire. We have the effect to be able to combat what's going on in this country. And He goes on. He says, history is replete with examples of Christian men and women who believe that God would work through them to make a significant difference in His kingdom. Can we believe God that He can use us to make a significant difference in what's going on in this country? We are the salt. It doesn't take a lot of salt 
to, to take a, a bland meal and turn it into a real feast. But it does take salt to do that. Now, he makes another... Are you allowing your surroundings to determine how you invest your life? In other words, are we on the run... Are we on the run from what, what the enemy is doing to our country? And do we just throw our hands up in the air and say, let's go to Idaho and build a cabin and stay in the valley somewhere? No, that's not what God asks us to do. And I want to leave you with a couple of, of, of thoughts from, that, from this brief thing. We are in the United States of America at this time because we were chosen by God to be here by Himself. He made the choice for us to be here. John and I are here because this is where God chose us to be. John has the family that he has because God, in his wisdom, said, John, you need these boys and I need you to raise them. Now, how do we do that under this environment? That's what the Word tells us. Now, I'll leave you with this. Have you seriously asked God why you are here and what you should be doing? Lord, why am I here? What do you want me to do? And the issue can be boiled down to God needs 1 Chronicles 12.32. He needs men of Ishakar. And it says in there, and of the, we need to be of the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. And I would add also that men and women who understand the times. I'm not going to be sexist about that. God has many righteous women, and I'm married to one of them, that, that are for this last time. So I'm going to close with prayer. Father, I thank You for this time, and I ask You, Lord, that the ramblings that my heart have made some sense, I thank You that Your Word guides us. We ask You, Lord, to help us to turn to You in times of help when we need it. In Jesus' name, we'll trust You. Amen. Hey!